I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my Thoughts on Money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call it Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. I am here today on a Zoom call with my two faithful partners, Sean Latimer and Leslie Ray. How are you guys doing today? Doing Good, great. thank you. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. We are here to discuss an article I wrote called No Surprises. So, Sean, I will uh, allow you to tee off today's discussion today. Uh, what was this article about and what was your perspective on it? So this is kind of funny because I always have like an inside track on uh, Trevor and I are really good friends. So I know his beautiful wife, Nicole, and I know that she, uh, you will read in the article, she absolutely despises surprises. And it can be something as simple as we're making plans and they go, Hey, should we invite this person? And Trevor will tell me, no, 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 no. We got to stick to the original group. No changes. And it, and, it, and I can understand it because uh, my sister's a lot like that too. So it it, it definitely hit home for me because I, I, I've seen the, how, you know, that does play out. People have certain expectations and you want to stick with those. Yeah. And I've had to kind of uh, acclimate to that because I was uh, the king of spontaneity uh, before I got married. Like, a friend would say, Hey, do you want to go to lunch? And I'd be like, Yeah. And then another friend would be like, Hey, do you want to do this at 1 30? And I'm like, Yeah, I'll go to lunch, get that done real quick, and then I'll pop over to this other thing. And man, my wife, uh, that makes her cringe hearing that. Uh, but we didn't kind of write this article to talk about my personal life. The reason we talked about it is uh, in our family, there's this kind of rule that there's no surprises, no surprises allowed. Um, and it's kind of how my wife is wired. And I love everything about my wife. So what I do, is if we have plans and there's a chance that they might change or there's an adjustment, I will always uh, hedge and tell her like, hey, this could happen, but this might happen so that there's absolutely no surprises. And I've taken that rule I have at home and I've now taken it to financial planning to talk to clients about this idea that there's no surprises. Uh, no surprises allowed in the client advisor relationship. And what that means is we have to have a clear discussion about how their investments and their portfolio and their financial plan are going to behave. Because the worst thing that can happen is if something happens that they didn't expect. Leslie, what was your experience with this or what was kind of your reaction to the article? Well, it reminded me of um, that notion of setting expectation right from the get-go. So for me, I don't deal with investments. I do financial planning for the group. And it's the same concept applied to financial planning no surprises. We have to set the correct expectations from the beginning. And um, that way, everybody understands the basis of this relationship, how it works, and have an understanding of what they will receive, but also what we will receive. So the concept of no surprises also apply to clients should not surprise us with um, last minute uh, news that we we're not expecting and, and that changes everything, all the plan that we had in place with them. If they knew that for a while, they should have told us. And then on our end, no surprises to the client. We can say, yes, of course, we'll do everything. Yes, yes, yes. We'll do all of that. And then last second, oh, no, actually, that's not what we do here. So um, that's how I see this concept applied in the financial planning context. Yeah, I don't think you could have said it any better. Um, that's what it's so much about is setting those expectations. Because one thing we know about investing is it will cause you to be uh, emotionally crazy. Um, and those surprises are what send, tend to be uh, kind of the, the trigger point to lead someone to make bad decisions. 
So I find myself at home with my wife and as a financial advisor now, sometimes over communicating. Um, just telling somebody the good, the bad, and the ugly of how an investment might behave or something that we should realize um, if they're buying a new home and there's going to be a mortgage, understanding what's the lead time look like? Uh, what's the expectation on paperwork? What's something that could possibly go wrong, right? Because if you set those expectations from the beginning, then guess what? There is no surprises. Uh, and I think that's so important in the client advisor relationship that you should be regularly having those conversations, setting those expectations. And I love this word and I've been using it so much. It's all about clarity, right? Because if they have clarity and everybody's on the same page, we know that life is full of surprises. But if we're not surprised by those surprises, we're more well prepared to make good financial decisions. I agree. We are more prepared and we can also uh, plan for the worst and hope for the best, like you were saying in your article. Yeah, well said. Hard to follow that, Trev. But uh, you know what's funny is we talk about setting expectations too. It doesn't always have to be with investments. Um, it could be the amount of communication between the advisor and the client. It could be, you know, if a new client doesn't really understand how taxes look and we're sending that information to their CPA for them. And maybe it's setting that expectation of what what their goals are and how we can make their life easier and making sure that we deliver because sometimes maybe the expectations are misunderstood and we think we're doing a great job and they're actually disappointed that we didn't do or send something. And uh, by having that clarity or having that communication, it could have been easily solved. I've mentioned this before, but uh, they've done some studies on happiness and looking at what countries are the happiest countries. And a lot of time, what it comes back to is contentment uh, that these countries, these folks that lived in these uh, certain cultures, they had low expectations for life. So uh, when good things came along, they were above and beyond their expectations, which created happiness. So I think you're exactly right, Sean, is that in that client advisor relationship, it goes much beyond just the investments. If you can draw clarity around good communication around expectations, um, it gets you to that place where you can under-promise and over-deliver. Now, when it comes to the investing side, though, I set aside part of the article to say that markets are pretty crazy and they do chaotic things. Um, and I talked about you should not be surprised that markets go down. You should not be surprised that markets that are going up can continue to go up. And the reason I highlighted that is that you have some people that get um, frantic about when markets go down. And they make a decision to set aside their money in cash for a time period. And then what happens? The most agonizing thing, they see markets go up and they say, oh, I can't go anymore. And then they see markets go up and they say, oh, that's got to be a peak. And then they see markets go up and all of a sudden they've gotten themselves out of market exposure for an extended period of time and are paralyzed from entering back into the market. Yeah, it's true. And David talks about it all the time. It's not just the that you have to, when you're timing it, you have to be right twice, but you also, you never really get over that regret. And so even if you do, you know, let's say you do time it right and, and it benefited you, you'll always remember that time it didn't. And it might make you make other mistakes that are even on your radar yet. To me, it reminds me of uh, the housing market. And I've been saying that houses are too expensive, expensive since 2013. And it just keeps going up and up. And so this is a discussion we've been having my husband. Do you see the thread here? It's always at the too expensive and you always think it's going to go down, but it keeps getting more and more expensive. 
So results I'm ranting right now. <laughs> I think it's a good rant though, because uh, what ends up happening is uh, it wasn't in the article, but people mistake a home for an investment. And because investments, we are so obsessed with uh, getting that right entry point. Uh, but it's not needed for a home, right? You don't want to buy an asset that's overvalued, but you should be in a, buying a, a, a residence that you want to spend a long period of time. And it should be more important on kind of the uh, emotional dividends it pays for your family than uh, negotiating that, that best price. Now, I'm frugal at heart, and uh, I have learned in my uh, later years in life, if I have any of those yet, um, that sometimes it's not worth it to kind of haggle every penny and every dollar. Um, sometimes it uh, puts more stress on my life than it actually equals in financial benefits. Yeah, some decisions don't make the most efficient financial sense, but they are the best decision for that family or that person. I see that in financial planning a lot. In my younger days doing financial plans, I would not understand people picking this solution. Like, why would you want to pay off your mortgage? It does not make sense. You're losing money that you could invest, but it's really providing that peace of mind that people can sleep at night. They're not obsessed with that idea of having a mortgage. And it's the best decision for them, even though if you look only at numbers, it doesn't make the most sense at this time. Oh, I love that. And, and it is important to uh, be able to call people out with respect because I, I've noticed that I'll find people that agonize over like the $5 Starbucks, but then they have no problem going and buying a brand new S-Class Mercedes. And I'm like, whoa, where'd that come from? Yeah, somebody's written a couple articles or uh, posted a few things on Twitter like that saying, uh, changing your coffee behavior isn't going to be as impactful on your retirement as kind of those uh, big rock decisions like you're talking about on the vehicle you purchase or the home you purchase or kind of those other spending habits. One thing that I mentioned in the article that I think as a reader will probably get missed a little bit, but it's something that's been on my mind a lot. It's this idea of sideways markets. Um, and I think as human beings, I've said this before, uh, but we are passionate. Uh, that's how we're wired. Um, and we like this idea of like, love me or hate me, but no apathy. Uh, when you don't care, oh man, that just, uh, that, that, that hits me the hardest. And that's what I feel about sideways markets is that when markets are going down and things are chaotic, like we're at the coffee shop and we're talking about it and we're agonizing, but we kind of embrace the drama a little bit. And when markets are going up, it couldn't be anything better, right? Cause the values on your statements are just going, uh, rolling up and up and up and up. Uh, the hard part is what happens when markets go sideways? Um, and if you go back and look at that, you know, late 2014, 2015, 2016 kind of, uh, time period, uh, you saw markets flat for like 18 to 24 months. Dear Lord, that is difficult. It is very hard to endure those times. And what was this article about? No surprises. So I think we need to talk to clients about that. Um, to say, Hey, could markets go sideways for the next two years? They could. And, and you shouldn't be surprised. And it will feel like apathy. It'll feel like the most agonizing thing. It'll feel like a root canal. Yeah. And, and the one question that'll pop up a lot is, hey, this is what the last year looked like. So what should we change? What should we do different? And uh, I think it's hard for sometimes to, for people to hear the answer that we're not changing anything. We have to stick to the plan. Yeah, because the plan was constructed before and it's a long-term plan and it's 
meant to uh, go through all kinds of markets and all situations. So that's how you build a portfolio, right? There's a client that I was talking to recently, and uh, one of their complaints about their former advisor, which I un- understand what they're saying, but it was that they were really tired of hearing state of course, because it felt like the advisor wasn't doing anything. And they were just kind of leaning on this uh, adage of just, hey, state of course, state of course. And, and I can feel his frustration, most definitely. Because uh, if I was going through tough markets, right? Last year were, were tough markets. Um, I want to hear some sort of action plan. And, and I will say at the Bonson Group, uh, we do look at the environment that we're in and we do make tactical shifts um, looking for opportunities, right? In the COVID moment, uh, commercial mortgage-backed securities got beat up a lot and then that became an opportunity. So I think we do lean into those tactical pieces, but we don't make wholesale changes on client portfolios in those moments. Why? This is a really bad time to make those changes. Things are moving so aggressively. So I think from a client's perspective, um, or maybe this is advice to clients, you want to be careful because uh, if, if you uh, tug on your advisor's shoulder sleeve enough, they might just give you the answer that they know you want to hear and they'll make adjustments, but they might not be the best thing for your financial plan. And that kind of gives us back full circle on the importance of no surprises and laying out the plan on how these things are going to behave. And in the article, I mentioned a couple of times range of outcomes um, that we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we can show you a range of potential outcomes so that you have a reality of the dispersion of outcomes and what could happen. And again, that just paints a full picture for you. I work the same way in financial planning. Um, when we do financial plans, really a guide, and it's a range of where they can go, what could happen, and just a guide towards what would be the most prudent strategies if this and that happens. So when I wrote this article, uh, I knew I was going to talk about how markets behave. But the other example I wanted to give about no surprises, I, I don't think it was something that would be top of mind for anybody else. But I wanted to mention to people that... Um, your friends, your neighbors, at times, they're going to do better than you. Uh, and you should not be surprised. And the reason I said that is because I see how that impacts people. We live in a comparative culture where you get to see everybody's life on Instagram. You get to see what house they own, what vacations they go on. And you use that filter to then judge your own life. And in investing, it's no different. Uh, I was talking to a client the other day that started as an investor with the Bonsai Group at a really good time. And his first like four or five months as an investor were, he did astronomically well. Uh, And I wanted to kind of set the expectation that that wasn't the norm. So when I started this conversation with him, I was saying, hey, this is how the performance has been and this, that, and the other. And his response is like, I know it hasn't been the best. Uh, You know, my son's friends have done this and this. And I was like, picking my job off the ground. And I was like, oh, wow, we have to have a long conversation right now because I want to make sure we set expectations because these have been very outside the norm type results. But he talked to one of his son's friends that probably took a very small amount of money, not significant to him, uh, that had an astronomically better result. And he was anchoring his expectations to that. And that scared me a little bit. Yeah, because investing is easy, right? Stocks go up. Stonks go up. Yeah, only go up. <laughs> I forgot that, that word. 
Yeah. And that's why it's so important. We made this analogy in the article about being on tilt that you're, if you're at a poker table um, and you have a hand that you thought was going to win and you're surprised when somebody else beats you, uh, sometimes it can sh- rattle you emotionally and they call it being on tilt. What do they mean by that? It means that the next couple hands that you're going to play, you're not going to wager a bet like you normally do. You're going to bet based on the frustration of that former hand. What ends up happening if you're surprised that somebody is sharing at a cocktail party uh, their results on fill in the blank, and they're getting returns that are above and beyond what you're experiencing, you're going to go on tilt. You're going to see that next shiny object and want to act on it because you want to make sure that you can do better than your neighbor. And as odd as it sounds, I wanted to make that clear in this article that investing is not a race. Uh, there's not somebody you're trying to beat. It's objective driven. You're trying to solve for the objectives of your financial plan. And we tell you right now, if you focus on your neighbor's results, it's going to be extremely distracting from achieving your own financial goals. Also, you don't know the whole story, right? People always tell you when they are doing really well, they don't tell you the size of their account or if it's a play account, how much risk they took to get there. And they don't tell you when they do really bad. Yeah, of course. It's like the, the old story about fishing. You know, the fish gets bigger every time they tell the story. It's the same thing. They'll tell you about the one big win. They don't tell you about the 10 times they were dead wrong and they lost a bunch of money. Of course they don't. Uh, but the, the unfortunate thing is that we don't have that filtering system to understand that. We're just like, oh man, my son's friend, he's up 200% over the last four months and I'm only up 30%. Oh, this is so frustrating. Uh, and it kind of goes back to, um, I, I've told the story before, but uh, there was uh, two famous artists that uh, didn't have a lot of wealth at the time. And they were at a, a famous hedge funder's house and they were talking about how this guy had so much money. And one says to the other, um, I have something that he'll never have. And the guy like shakes his head. He's like, what could you possibly have that this hedge fund uh, multi-billionaire doesn't have? And he just said, enough. Uh, I have enough. And that's the funny thing about how we're wired is that a 30% return uh, might be sufficient. Uh, but when it's contextualized against somebody else's returns and it doesn't look as pretty, all of a sudden your attitude changes a little bit. Yeah, always. I always try to see it in the context of the goals because to me, uh, money is a tool. It's a vehicle to achieve your goals. So what are your goals and what do you need to do to get there? And you use money to get there. So for some people, uh, they need more or less and they have more or less and they have more work to do or not as much. So it's very hard to compare yourself to other people on one point, one data point in this time, one data point instead of looking at the whole picture. So true. Trevor and I, we say it all the time with clients that have done a really good job saving that They've won the race. They don't need to you know, stretch themselves or take unnecessary risk anymore. Yeah, I think that's well said. And uh, one of the things I wrapped the articles uh, article up with is uh, this idea that I use my wife as an example, that she is a planner and, and she likes to have a, a very clear understanding of where we're going, what we're doing and who's going to be there. And we could say that I'm spontaneous, but inside of all of us, uh, we do have that desire uh, to solve for uncertainty and we want to know what to expect and we want to have a plan. 
Uh, I, I mentioned that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, uh, a book that everyone's heard of. And it's because if it's your first child, you have no idea what you're about to step into. Um, and you want to kind of normalize your expectations around what other people have experienced. And that's okay. That's part of what being a human being is. Um, and I think that so much applies to uh, when we talk about financial planning or investment management is that you should have deep and thorough conversations with your advisor so that you know what to expect when you're expecting retirement uh, or what to expect when you're expecting buying your first home. Uh, whatever the fill in the blank is, um, it's just extremely important to have those conversations and for the advisor not to be afraid um, to be able to say, hey, if we do X, Y, and Z, it could result in A, B, and C. Now, that might not be a fun conversation to have, but I'm telling you right now, it's better to have that conversation up front than to try to have that conversation in the moment. Uh, and I kind of wrapped everything up by saying, hey, clarity around expectations and regular communication about the range of potential outcomes, that's it. That's the most important thing. Um, if you can do that, you are going to put yourself on uh, the path to success because you not only will have a plan in place, but you'll be able to actually stick to that plan. Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering why the pauses are longer than normal, it's because we're used to being in a room together and uh, recording these podcasts and kind of pointing at each other like, what do you think about this? But when you're on a Zoom call um, and I point my finger, it's very hard to realize who on the screen I'm pointing to. I saw you do that earlier and I was like, that doesn't help me at all. (laughs) I didn't know if you were pointing to me, to Sean, you're pointing on the side. Confused there. Hey Trevor, I just, <laughs> I just thought of something I thought would be good to add, and something that uh, you know our, our leader says to us almost every day that you know trust is built by telling the truth, even when it's not what one wants to hear. And I think that's really important because I'm sure it was a tough conversation with that client who only got a thirty percent return in four months. But uh, it's important to have that early because I I don't want to imagine that if we see a two or three year flat market. If the expectations are off, that that's going to make that conversation even harder. Yeah, and with, with you with, with you saying that, uh, there's that question people ask you sometimes: What keeps you up at night? And uh, might be a weird thing to say, but what keeps me up at right now uh, at night right now is flat markets. We haven't had one of those uh, extended periods in a long time, and I think people are so uh, high on either the goods or the bads uh, that everything is polarizing that um, it will be difficult to go through flat markets. So I'm having conversations with clients, not as like a premonition of what's going to happen, but just a reality that you haven't experienced this in a little while, um, but this is par for the course and this is what markets do. And this is how they tend to behave sometimes. So just uh, making sure you're comfortable with that and just reminding you what it felt like six or seven years ago. Um, Because what ends up happening is as humans, we have a a little bit of a short-term memory and I'm sure that you guys can... um, uh, relate to that. Uh, well, I'm going to wrap us up here, but I'll leave it with you, Leslie, if you have any comments you want to add or anything on the last point. I'll talk to you, advisor, on, about what is keeping you up at night and you will feel so much better afterwards. That's why I tell clients when we go through the financial planning exercise, you will feel so much better after having this tough conversation and you will be more, much more prepared to go through life. Sean, anything for us? No, that was really good. Good job to both of you. Thank you. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Yeah, Yeah, have a great weekend. Thanks for joining our podcast. Uh, We'll ask that you rate the podcast. 
And we'll ask you to leave comments. And then we welcome all emails. You can email Tom at thebonsagroup.com. Address it to Leslie, Sean, or Trevor. We're happy to see your comments, answer your questions, or even if you have podcast ideas that we would love to discuss those as well. Um, and that's it. That's all we got for you this week. And we'll be back next week with more of our thoughts on money. money. I totally missed it. <laughs> The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.